Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you so much for joining me today again. I really appreciate your presence here and your time you take with me every day. I hope you had a great day and um, continue on this great weekend. As promised, we're talking about something very important, Louis and Edwina Mountbatten. Why are they in important? You know, they were the last viceroy of the British Raj and someone who influenced the politics and um, geopolitics of the region. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on them and Nehru's relationship with um, uh, Lady uh, Edwina Mountbatten and uh, we will go through it as much as we can and we go from there. And, and you will have your answers by the end of the of, you will have your answers by the end of uh, the um, the podcast. So let's get straight down to it. Uh, so he, Louis Mountbatten, was a distant royal relative um, of the royal family. This was a young man in a hurry, going places, and she was a wealthy socialite. And everybody in society had their eyes on Edwina. Together, they became one of the most influential couples of the 20th century, and they were really looked upon as senior members of the royal family. Yet, their private life was more scandalous than the public ever knew. From countless infidelities, they had a reputation, the Mountbatten's. It is said that they were in and out of other people's beds, which was probably true to the uh, breaking of taboos. She did quite a, f she did quite fancy black and, and Asian men, Edwina Mountbatten, that is, and was considered rather outrageous for her time. Yet their union stood the test of time. It proved to be an outrageous uh, marriage. So who was uh, Lord Louis Mountbatten? He was a distinguished naval officer and last viceroy of India. He is perhaps best remembered as elder statesman of the royal family. He was um, um, uh, an uncle to Prince Philip and enjoyed an even closer bond with his nephew, Prince Charles. Lord Louis Mountbatten... Um, was assassinated in 1979 and which sent shockwaves to the royal family and the wider um, British public. This is a lesser known uh, but vital part of Lang there, um, there's a lesser known but vital part of Lord Louis Mountbatten's life. It was, it was his marriage which was extraordinary and began in 1922 of July. It was a huge social event for this time and some people were in uh, a there were about 8,000 people in Parliament Square for the wedding. Kings and, and the King and Queen of the United Kingdom were guests, and the Prince of Wales was the best man. It was, very, it was a very glamorous occasion and sort of a royal wedding for its time. His bride was a 20-year-old uh, young lady called Edwina Ashley. Uh, they were the it couple of their time with connections right across society and the royal families of Europe. What one, um, one has the, it was the beginning of sort of superstardom um, um, in the UK and Europe, who um, they had a great appeal of um, uh, around the British public 
and and represented sort of the high autocracy of Britain itself. What was it about the couple, though, that captured the public interest? Was that Lord Louis Mountbatten was a great grandson of Queen Victoria from his mother's side and was a prince, a German prince from his father's side. Um, he was born in Frogmore Cottage on the Windsor Estate um, as, pre, as, as Prince Louis of Battenberg. He was known as um, Dicky and he from an early age and he was related to half the ha royal houses of europe through his great great grandmother or great grandmother uh queen victoria who was married who um who married her children to various houses of royal of royalty in europe one by one so his network of connections with with uh, with royalty was enormous he had two older sisters Louise, who married the King of Sweden, and Alice, who was married, who married Prince Andrew of Greece, and who was the mother of Prince Philip, and uh, a older brother George, who was eight years older. Uh, during World War Two, the royal family um, changed. Um, sorry, World War One, the royal family changed its name from the Germanic sounding Saxe-Gotha uh, to the more anglicized version of the Windsors um, and similarly uh, Lord Louis of Battenberg uh, his family became from Battenberg changed to Mount Batten um, um, because anti-German sentiment during the period was um, um, was at its height Okay, Lord Louis Mountbatten's father being pushed to resign from his role of first sea lord uh, because of his German background, and his father lost so his father lost his position in the admiral um, in in the navy, and this um, and was really badly treated. This stirred the young uh, young Louis Mountbatten's ambition. And uh, he always wanted payback for his fa for his father's loss. Uh, William Evans, who was once a valet to uh, Lord Mountbatten, or otherwise known as Dickie, from 1959 to 1969, um, said that was a driving force behind all his life to emulate his father, who was treated so badly. Dickie wasn't afraid of using his family connections to help him on his way. He was very good in using his royal connections with his family, in, in using them to push, uh, push his career and forging his ambitions. Um, the world really, uh, he worked really hard to form a bond with his cousins, uh, especially the Prince of Wales, and, and um, had been rewarded by taking uh, by uh, having been taken along worldwide tours by the prince. Dickie, or Louis Mountbatten as his real name, uh, new wife, Edwina Ashley, was not of the same royal stock, but she had an impressive lineage of her own. Um, she was a daughter of the conservative MP of the time, and uh, she was a, gr a granddaughter of the most uh, influential wealthy financier in Europe, uh, Ernest um, Erstwhile, I think. I'm not sure of the last name. Uh, and he was a banker um, for King Edward VII. In fact, Edwina was named after King Edward VII and, 
and was his godchild. So from Ed, uh, Edwi, from Edward the Seventh, we got Edwina, the eldest of two granddaughters. Edwina was her grandfather's favorite, despite um, the fact that she was set to inherit uh, her her um, her far, her grandfather's wealth. The loss of her mother at nine years never made up for it. Uh, and she was really traumatized by this event. Edwina never wanted for anything in life except maternal and paternal love that she needed, but it was a sad upbringing. Her father remarried again, and her stepmother was not very kind to her, uh, to the children. And after going away to school, Edwina moved away from her grandfather, um, at, to her grandfather, was brought up by her grandfather. At this age, at the age of 18, she was launched into society, and she was uh, really the leading light of her generation in terms of glamour, wealth, finance, and everybody in society had their eye on Edwina. And it was Dickie, otherwise known as Louis Mountbatten, who, was, who won Edwina's heart. Uh, so that was the beginning of Louis and um, Louis Mountbatten and Edwina. So after they met at Calls Week in the summer of 1921, Dickie was told... Um, uh, Dickie was a handsome, well-connected, um, and besetted. Uh, Dickie was a handsome man, well-connected, and was besetted by Edwina. Just bear with me here. It was a worldwide uh, whirlwind romance. They were thrown together through dances and society and social gatherings. They came back from Calls Week, and he introduced her to his parents. So it was really a love match, world winner at it. Just a few weeks later, tragedy struck. Dickie's father, who was idolized, died who he idolized, died suddenly, falling ten days later by Edwina's beloved grandfather. All of a sudden, here were two young people who were so young and in a way thrown together, not only by physical attraction, but by death and grief. Their fledging romance was interrupted when Dickie joined the Prince of Wales for an eight month trip overseas. What he, what he had very muted um, hopes, and what he had was very muted hopes that she would join in in India and meet him there. And being Edwina, she did. She basically presented herself at the Viceroy's house in India, and the two of them were almost immediately engaged. Four months after the first meeting, Dickie proposed to Edwina. When her grandfather died in 1921, Edwina became one of the richest heiresses in the world. Dickie was not very rich, of course. He had the blood, blood, but not the money. There was, there had been suggestions at the time that he was a gold digger uh, for Edwina's money. But it, in, from his letters and that he wrote to his, uh, to his mother, it seemed that Dickie was in love with her bride Edwina, much more than she was with him. Edwina gained a lot from the marriage. First, the millions of pounds left to her by her grandfather at the age of 21 but otherwise she would have to wait until the age of 28 to get. She gained a husband and a domesticity that she had lacked, so a sense of security. She was getting gold-plated respectability through her husband's royal connections. Marriage to Dickie gained an absolute incontestable um, uh, rise in high society. After the wedding, life for his newly wed this newly wed high society couple continued as it had started. They went on a honeymoon tour to Europe and America. 
lasting four months. The media just could not get enough of this British power couple. Uh, people from around the world just wanted to meet them. The British power couple uh, from Beirut, uh, Beirut, the baseball player, to Douglas Fairbanks, uh, who introduced them to Charlie Chaplin, and um, who was a mutual friend um, with the... Sorry, Douglas Fairbank, and made a film with Charlie Chaplin. They were introduced to Chaplin by a mutual friend, the Duke of Sutherland. And it was a film, um, and Chaplin um, took them into a film uh, as a wedding present. Um, so, where Dickie, uh, or Louis Mountbatten, was the lover of Edwina's character, a wealthy woman abducted by a robber, Charlie Chaplin comes to a rescue, Whilst a nice and friendly, um, uh, and nice and friendly was the film. It was never released in cinema, but was always one of Dickie's favorite films. They became uh, on their honeymoon very high-profile celebrities, and they became adept to dealing with reporters. The grand honeymoon also highlighted differences between the couples. They had to plan; he had to plan everything. She was spontaneous and looking to break away from the restrictions she had. They began to know each other's faults and strengths, and were not always compatible. After the honeymoon, anti-climax. He went home and back to his naval career, and some people said the Navy uh, was his first love. And they had a lot of evidence. He was... He was much focused on the Navy, and there was nothing much for poor Edwina to do. She feels very quickly abandoned and restless. She has all the connections and all the money, but she does not know what to do with her time. Now, at a loose end, Edwina's behavior was about to place the couple's marriage and status in jeopardy. She was now getting the attention she had now missed as a child. She nourished it and was soon, uh, and was very soon, she was beginning to have affairs. Um... In July of 1922, the marriage was one of the most influential events of the 20th century in Britain. Um, but as the newlyweds started life together, uh, Dickie's devotion to his naval career uh, left her behind, uh, and Edwina was frustrated. She was a Navy wife, and she felt neglected. She was highly neglected at a time when aristocratic women were not given very much to do. So she got on with what was available and in the 20s that was having a good time. It was a Hellenistic lifestyle in the growing 20s. She proved she loved to party and she loved pushing the boundaries. She was drawn to the decadent nice clubs, dancing and unusual bohemian people. She lived in the extraordinary high-octane world of high society. She gave birth to the couple's first child, Patricia, on the 14th of February 1924 but she did not take easily to being a mother. After a few days, she was looking for a diversion. She was quite happy for her army of young maids to look after her nannies to look after her baby. She was not a maternal person. She was more interested in going to late-night parties with young men, and she was now getting attention in some ways that she did not as a child. But approximately three, within three years of her marriage, she was beginning to have affairs. In 1925, her first lover was Hugh Molyneux, uh, heir to the Earl of Sefton, and that was for a year. Then an American polo player um, said to have been uh, 
heir to a 40 million pound fortune called Stephen Sanford or Stanford. 40 million pounds in 1925 was a lot of money. A nice looking sporting tall young man. The type she liked. The news of Edwina's colourful life had not yet reached the wider society. Even Dickie was not aware of this. It was actually the Prince of Wales who told him that Edwina was committing adultery. I think he was desperately shocked and, and had put Edwina on a pedestal. And he did not want to deliver what he was believing. He wrote in his diary about the strange thing that David, the Prince of Wales, uh, told him about Edwina. So he did not, ne he never really believed it. The affairs continued and more men joined Edwina's entourage of lovers. She was a very busy person. Um, if you look at a diary, it is said she would have lunch with one and long talk at night with another and went to a party with another third. She was a woman of extraordinary energy. Edwina's behavior was no different from that of her contemporaries. The Prince of Wales was very promiscuous. In her close friends, uh, if her close friends and a scrutiny, um, the Prince of Wales was very promiscuous too. Um, and no different from her close friends and the era of that time, everyone was exactly the same. It became difficult to ignore Edwina's relationships rather than, than being angry. Uh, Louis Mountbatten's response was more enlightened. He wanted to be an effective husband. He writes to her that he was aware of being inadequate of a husband and a, and a lover. I think he, they soon realized that they were not sexually well matched. I think he was not particularly that a good a lover. She wanted more and she got more from other men. I think he had been, uh, while well, Louis Mountbatten had been to a brothel, it is said, to lose his virginity. But, you know, that is he said, she said. Um, he had no real experience with other women except in his wife in a romantic way. He was rather gallant uh, at some level in expecting that he would not could not fulfill his wife's sexual appetite and therefore he to try to use that as an excuse to humor an extramarital offense. L Loud Louis Mountbatten was madly in love with her, so he put her up with a lot. Some of Edwina's affairs were more difficult to dislike uh, to Dickie uh, and to accept other than others. Of the pre-war lovers was Larry Sanford, and she did discuss divorcing Dickie with the man. That was not a relationship that Dickie liked at all, but realizing how much her relationship with Laddie had, uh, with Larry had hurt her husband, Edwina had a prick of consciousness. And she wrote to Mountbatten, I feel I have been such a beast. I feel terrible about it all. Uh, that was when she chose Dickie, and there was a reunion of some sorts. Dickie and Edwina had a successful reunion. And the second daughter, Pamela, was born on the 19th of April, 1929. Their marriage was saved, and aware of the influence the marriage brought, it seemed that they wanted to avoid a divorce at all costs. The couple certainly talked about divorce when Dickie realized about affairs. Uh, that continued after that. But they loved each other, and they had children with each other, and they realized that her wealth gave them independence, and access that would have not been there otherwise. She enjoyed the access that his connections brought. It would be the fear 
that is, uh, would damage his career and for her. There was an element of providing her with stability, yet Dickie soon reached his limit. By the late 1920s, Edwina's affairs led to her being named as a co-respondent in several divorce cases. And of course it was because of her money and her influence that the scandals were kept on the pages of the media. News broke that Edwina was rumoured to be the other woman in the separation of Hollywood's heavyweights Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford. Stories flowed that Dickie was, seeing, uh, was going to divorce um, Edwina. A lot of rumours were damaging his position in society and career too. And what was what upset Dickie in the royal f- and that upset Dickie and the royal family. All the speculation about her private life, they had, and they had a showdown. He suggested they divorce and move out, and he move out. Edwina suddenly realised that she, what she had done um, to a man she liked and admired. Edwina persuaded Mountbatten to stay, but Dickie Mountbatten. Dickie is the uh, name of the. Um, pet name of Louis Mountbatten. So everywhere in history you go, you will see Dickie. He's called Dickie, but Dickie's, his real official name is Louis Mountbatten. So it's the same person. Uh, so Louis and um, Edwina Mountbatten, uh, you know, agreed to stay together. But to make the marriage work, uh, they had, uh, Edwina had a radical new idea. They would have an open marriage and understanding that she would be discreet and the royal family would not be affected. They would live as a couple together, and that's exactly what they did. Um, Dickie returned to his naval post in Malta in August of 1931 and left behind a much improved relationship. Nine months later, Edwina's private life hit the headlines again. And this time it was an affair with an unnamed man of color. A woman having a relationship with a black man was extremely shocking for its time, which was rare. And her name wasn't given, but it was perfectly clear to the, who the article was about. Rumors flowed, and the actor Paul Robson was the main man involved, but more likely the candidate was Leslie Hutchinson. Leslie was born in Granada and went to America to study medicine, but was more interested in music. Edwina met him in the 1920s, and she had employed him for her own parties. She certainly got to know him over a long period of time. And there were many pictures of them showing their affection. Um, and uh, all of this was going on. Um, and of course, they did not care about uh, anyone being shocked or listening, looking at them. But all this was in the backdrop of Hitler's Nazi Germany. Um, it was public humiliation for the royal family. They apologized and no damages were claimed. It was a blow to the aura of the royal family. Once again, Edwina's cascades had left Dickie badly hurt. Uh, but now the tables turned and, lo- and Louis Mountbatten was having an affair. In 1932, um, uh, he, he found, uh, was found to be having an affair with Lula Letke, a French socialite. Full of life, she fell for Dickie and would, would last all of Dickie's life. Um, Arid was the first... Um, she was the first uh, of, of his real affections, and Edwina was not happy at all. But, you know, two can play the game, because it was an open marriage for both. And um, she talked about a double standard, was shocked, horrified, insulted, and, and did not appreciate the affair, when she realized that Dickie was in love with another woman. She was almost upset and felt she was badly treated by him. 
she would not accept a relationship. But she had a plan. Instead of being angry, she decided to be friends with Eula and spend a great deal of time together with her, traveling around spas of Europe, um, trying to make Dickie angry. But uh, Dickie got a little bit angry with this as he feels that Edwina had taken his girl away from him, which she has. Um, but, uh, you know, life went on and, and it was even suggested that Edwina and Eula were having an affair with each other. Uh, but soon Edwina met another man, Bonnie Phillips, a man six feet five, a guards officer, um, successful, kind-hearted, very intelligent, and a very sporting person, and even Dickie liked him. Edwina began thus the third phase of her relationships, a traveling phase where she and Bonnie went all over the place, Burma, China, Burma, China, and it's said at one place even two years. But, you know, that's, again, not confirmed. In the public places, um, in public place, she was a he was a successful Navy officer who was supported by his wife. But in reality, she was never there, and most of the time with other men. Edwina and, and, and her new boyfriend, um, Bonnie, would enjoy their affair until 1944 when Bonnie got engaged. And she was not happy, but devastated. So I don't know how... Her boy, she's going out with a man who's a boyfriend, um, but on the other side, she's married and he's getting engaged. But why would he get engaged if he's having an affair with someone else? I mean, it beats me. Anyway, so um, all of this in the backdrop, however, um, of the Second World War, which was which, in a weird way, was the making or remaking of Edwina and Lord Lee Mountbatten's relationship. Edwina found a new role for herself during the war, which kept her busy. She was at long last uh, occupied instead of an aristocratic wife. Uh, she was in charge of many nursing and medical associations during the war, and she had a role in mission working with the Red Cross and St. John's Ambulance. Mountbatten, Louis Mountbatten, was surprised at his wife's dedication during the war. He found uh, her professional um, and, and uh, doing a professional job, just like he was. They became a team and worked together as a team. While Edwina worked tirelessly at home, Dickie was in pursuit of naval glory um, at the HMS uh, Kelly off the coast of Crete. Dickie Mountbatten was known as the master of disaster, however, and he was not the best uh, naval officer. He had a destroyer. For, he had. Um, he took a He was in charge of a destroyer, but almost, but had one disaster after another, and he was reckless and much ground. Um, and the and other chiefs of staff who found that he was an amateur and grossly overpromoted. But he did have a certain thing going for him: was his personal charisma, which he used to handle human relationships on board his Navy ships. Um, war had united the Mountbatten's, but uh, the end of the war brought them back to square one. Um, you know, a lot of countries gave him accolades for his, his role in World War II. Uh, that was Louis Mountbatten, but for Edwina, it was a step back, and she went back to her bed hopping. Dickie's extramarital affairs 
activities went beyond Eula, his first uh, his uh, first girlfriend. Um, all were conducted in silence and rumors. The rumors had reached America. The FBI opened a file for them during the war. And they interviewed many people, and found and and found that the Mount Battles had buttons had low morals and Louis was a homosexual but it was never collaborated there was no real evidence Dickie Mountbatten chose was chosen to be the last viceroy of India as we know in 1947 by Clement Attlee uh, to oversee the country's independence by the mid 40s uh, of course they had weathered many a storm so this was just another one that they were going to go through um, the British Raj uh, had a new viceroy and, uh, in Lord Louis Mountbatten, and uh, she was the vice friend. Uh, Edwina is thrilled at the prospect of overseeing the in independence of the subcontinent. She was a typical socialite in a modern way for the 1940s. Garden party parties, opening viceroy's house, and changing mentalities for a new relationship between India and the UK. Lord Louis Mountbatten did not know India at all and came to it with a knowledge of British politics, a rather simplistic desire to do as much a lot in as soon as possible. He had to negotiate with Jinnah and Nehru, whom Edwina had fell in love. Edwina was besotted by Nehru like a teenager who was in love for the first time. They endlessly talked and wrote letters to each other about their feelings, aims, and ambitions. Again, Mountbatten's marriage was the center of great speculation, and Edwina's relationship with Nero was much scrutinized. He was one of her great relationships of her past, of her folk war. He was the last of her lovers. They should, uh, they were soulmates and mature, it seemed. He was deeply spiritual. He had a spiritual connection with uh, with her, and the emotional relationship, besides an emotional relationship, and also a sexual one. They had shared little interest, but she was fascinated with him and what was going to happen in India. But um, freedom for India, as Mountbatten uh, rushed through the independence, came at a high price. With partition and genocide in 1947, as we know, in Britain it was declared a success. Edwina was heartbroken at leaving India, and she said, I am grateful to India, and I shall always look upon India as my second home. This was a very unhappy period of her life, separated from Nehru and separated from the country she had adopted up as her own. She continued their relationship through their letters and saw each other at at least six months um, every year. Um, sorry, uh, with with uh, spans of, within spans of six months of each other. She would come to India in the spring and he would go to England in August. Dickie would allow them to be alone in the Broadlands uh, country home in Hampshire or the country or they would meet in London. They did have a very strong connection and deep enduring bond and Edwina and Nehru remained devoted to each other for a decade until their uh, love affair was cut short by her death on the 21st of um, February 1960, uh, she suffered from various ailments and was traveling a lot uh, through the 1960s for the Red Cross and St. John's Ambulance. It was one of those trips that she died in Singapore, surrounded by uh, Nero's letters from a fatal coronary thrombosis. Uh, Dickie Mountbatten was devastated and she was buried at sea at her request. Um, 
although they had separate lives, they did get along very well and Dickie was heartbroken. Towards the end, they were real friends. Of course, Mountbatten continued his affairs after his wife's death. He was going to with all her money. Um, naval business kept Dickie busy. He became the first uh, officer, um, sea officer uh, in 1954. And um, Mountbatten continued his uh, his close relationship with the family, with the royal family. He became very close to Prince Charles as his honorary grandfather and took him under his wing. Um, of course, he was uncle to Prince Philip. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he was assassinated himself in 1979 on the 27th of August. And uh, that was the end of the story. Uh, Dickie uh, or Louis Mountbatten's and Edwina's diaries remain a mystery and they are sealed by government order. So their writings cannot be published in any form or size. So all this material that we've put together is, um, that has been put, put together by historians is, is from public material uh, and a lot of, you know, um, putting it together, so to speak. Uh, but their letters are actually, no, no royal family member has ever spoken about them and their letters have been kept private. Uh, it is um, an amazing story, but why am I bringing this to you? Because if you don't know the story of the Mountbatten's and it's never corroborated by the royal family, you will not understand how uh, Louis Mountbatten used um, his wife Nehru, uh, to convince Nehru, who was not giving in to independence, who was not giving in to uh, separation of the partition Regina wanted. Uh, you would not understand how he used his wife. Even uh, Maulana Azad in his book said that uh, Nehru's affairs with the women, with the British women, uh, had... Uh, take ha, had a great effect on Indian uh, on the partition of India. He was convinced behind the scenes while he would say something on top at at conferences and, and meetings. Behind the scenes, he he changed his uh, his opinion very quickly because Mountbatten would use his wife Edwina and other British women to influence. Um, Nero um, to change his mind and give up his hard uh, stance on things and slowly by slowly uh, he did, Mahatma Gandhi did and we were separated. So a big part of this uh, independence and partition is the fault of, of the socialist Nehru who uh, was more interested in his getting uh, bed hopping and, and sleeping around and his sexual escapades with uh, with the vice wren of the last vice wren of India, uh, Edwina Mountbatten and other British women. It is presumed, allegedly, I have to say, because there's no proof of it actually. Um, and this, my dear friend, is a result of the has a big, big effect on the constitution of India. The constitution of India uh, gives um, sort of uh, continued uh, supporting the Abrahamic colonial 
invaders uh, to the battle. They gave them all the rights to proselytize, to have space, secularism, gave them uh, all the grants and commissions possible, allowed them to be in our schools, uh, but they handcuffed the Vedic nation and our Vedic knowledge uh, through secularism and to lies. Uh, of caste and Dalit because we know caste is Christian so Nehru would never have brought it up Nehru would never have challenged this, the narrative Nehru would never have done any of this of those things um, Dalit was Hebrew no knowledge was no history no research was done uh, as to how this became a, 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 a Hindu thing how this came to the Indian subcontinent it was just repeated and blabbered out and the Hindustan was blamed for this concept of caste and Dalit when it was never a part of this narrative before and in order to keep his love affair alive with Edwina Mountbatten and the and British high society he continued to butter them at the cost of this uh, Vedic civilization blaming her uh, for all the ills of society uh, but giving uh, high status and, and, and uh, rights to the back though to to uh, the Christian evangelists, uh, Christian uh, NGOs, Christian um, proselytization and Islamic proselytization are the same thing. And we are at our, at our seat where we are today. The mess that we are in is because of this one man and his bed hopping uh, sexual escapade. I, I'm sorry, but I've lost my, my respect for him uh, and his descendants. Um, but we have to rise up, we have to heal, we have to understand, we cannot change the past. We have to understand uh, what were the currents that form our waves, the Atwa, all that lies in between, what lead us to partition, who influenced the partition, who are the real architects behind the partition. We go from there. Tomorrow we'll talk about the partition of India, uh, sorry, the, the, American, the, the Indian constitution. Um, but for now, I'll take your leave. I, I will post a, a YouTube video on, on my Facebook page of the, um, of the link for the documentary on Louis Mountbatten. Um, I hope you take a look at it. It was taken from, like I said, this was taken from uh, the internet um, and um, a documentary in his name. There are many other documentaries if you want to do. I suggest you do the research yourself. Please spread this with your friends, families, at least five friends. Have that conversation. Ask them to spread with five friends. Talk to them. Have the conversation on social media sites so we can spread this knowledge and, and slowly heal, slowly remove the trauma, the violence, and resurrect our lives and empower ourselves with knowledge, heal and go forward and rebuild this Vedic civilization. So thank you very much for your time. I hope you have a great day. Cheers and stay safe.